The scripture that was read came from Matthew, the second chapter, and the 13th through the 23rd verses. And it reads on this wise. After they had departed, look, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to look for the child in order to destroy him. And he, meaning Joseph, rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod in order that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled when he says, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been deceived by the Magi, he became very angry and he sent and murdered all the male infants in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region two years old and younger in keeping with the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Then what was spoken by the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled when he says, A voice was heard in Ramah, much weeping and lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted because they are no more. But after Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for they who were seeking the life of the child have died. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in a place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he departed to the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken through the prophets was fulfilled, that he shall be called a Nazarene. As we come to the close of another Christmas season, it made sense to me to take a look at a portion of this scripture that we call the birth narrative that is often, sometimes when we read some of these texts, it's often relegated to being just a mere fulfillment of Old Testament biblical prophecy. Namely, that in Joseph's obedience to go to Egypt enabled the prophetic utterance of Hosea when he said, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The point that I'm making here is that many times when, we've read the, when we read these texts, and we have read them over and over the years, we simply think that what we're being told in this text is merely about the fulfillment of prophecy. But there is a subtlety in this narrative that I want to bring to your attention, which is simply this. The baby that was in the manger was, was God incarnate. The baby in the manger was the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. The baby in the manger was Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. The baby in the manger was the promised Savior. The baby in the manger was the king of kings and the lord of lords. Yet, while this baby in the manger was God all by himself, in him was the fullness of the entirety of the Godhead. This baby had to be hidden. Joseph, we read, is given a dream instructing him to conceal the Christ child. First in Egypt, for Herod, the king sought to destroy him. And secondly, in Nazareth, 
for fear that Herod's son, Archelaus, might carry out the vendetta. Now, I'm not sure if you appreciate the magnitude of what I'm implying here, but I would like you to ponder this for just a moment. That the God who created man was concealed so that the man he created could not destroy him. I, I don't know if that did anything to you today. But today I want to speak a message on this mystery of God. Concealing and hiding himself. And I therefore titled this message quite simply, The Hiddenness of God. The Hiddenness of God. Whenever we find ourselves in places of difficulty and sometimes deep emotional distress, the question many or, not, or most of us tend to ask is, where is God? The question itself implies that somehow God is neither where he should be nor where we expect him to be. And as a result, we are faced with the prospect of having to deal with our situations by ourselves and alone. God feels hidden. It is always in those times when pressure is on us that we ask the question, where is God? Where is God when I can't make ends meet? Where is God when I can't pay my bills? Where is God when my money is funny? Where is God when my change is strange? Where is God when my children are messy? Where is God when my family is messy? Where is God when that person on my job is getting on my last nerve. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? It's almost as if we think that God is not where he is supposed to be. The, 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 there is a part of us that seem to believe that if God were in fact with us and where he should be and we were consciously aware of his presence then whatever misfortune may have befallen us would somehow have been averted or at the very least God would be able to help me get through this difficult time if God was where he was supposed to be I wouldn't be having such a hard time in my life God feels hidden. But as I have often shared, if we no longer sense the presence of God with us at any given moment in our lives, then make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, which one of us that left. For it was not God. God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere and God is always where he is supposed to be always. the challenge and the question is where are you come on, come on. when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden we are told that God came and he says Adam where are you it's not that God didn't know where Adam was physically he knew he was in the garden but he asked for Adam, where are you? Because God knew that something was spiritually broken. And many of us, we don't realize that God is asking us the very same question today. Where are you? If you don't feel God in your life, where 
are you? If you think that God has left you, where are you? God is and always will be where he is supposed to be. How do I know this to be true? The scriptures tell us God is not a man that he should lie. And if God tells us he'll never forsake us and he will never leave us, won't he do it? Doesn't he mean it? So it's not, the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. God has never left us. It's always that we have left God. But yet, despite this truth, the dilemma that confronts us as we look to understand the mystery of the hiddenness of God is that all throughout the witness in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, if you have ever read it, God often reveals himself while paradoxically seeming to be hidden from us. Listen to what I'm telling you. All throughout the Old Testament, God reveals himself, but while at the same time, he still remains hidden. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this mystery. At the burning bush, you remember, when God called Moses, and God said to Moses, Moses said to God, who should I say sent me? We know that God says, you're going to tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. I am that I am. What does that even mean? In other words, God revealed himself in a burning bush, but then the mystery is, what is this? I am that I am. Now, if that were not enough, at the tent of meeting, Moses asked to see God. Show me your glory. And God said, okay, I'll show you, but no one has seen my face and live. So, I, so I, I'll pass by you, I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock, and I will pass by you, and when I pass by you, I will cover your face, and then as I pass by, I'll remove my hand, and you will only see my backside. You see, he revealed himself, but yet there was still a mystery. What is the backside of God? Now, I'm not cursing in church, I'm saying. <laughs> it's in the book. What is the backside of God? Mystery. When, when the prophet Elijah listens for the voice of God. It didn't come in the wind. It didn't come in the earthquake. It didn't come in the fire. It came in a still, small voice. In other words, the revelation of God was there, but it was still shrouded in mystery. And the prophet Isaiah punctuates this mystery when he says, truly, you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. Even as we look at the New Testament. The mystery of God, we are told, is hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we are told, is God who has come in the flesh. Now, now, now you and I know that for many of us, we often hear the question, but, but, but Jesus was just a man like everybody else. How can an infinite God put himself in a finite man? You see, it's a mystery. There is revelation of God, but it's still shrouded in some kind of mystery. There is a hiddenness of God. We know that Jesus is God's light in a world of darkness, and in him, God has spoken, not only through the prophets, but the Bible tells us through his son. The eternal divine word became incarnate in a singular human life that the light of the glory of God has shone in the face of Jesus Christ, that in him, the fullness 
of the Godhead dwells. How do I know this to be true? For John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without, without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light shine in the darkness, but the darkness couldn't understand it. And we are told that that same word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the challenge we face today is simply this. How can our feeble minds begin to even make sense of this hiddenness of God? How are we to understand this infinite God made into a finite man? let alone a baby. What does it all mean? Now, before I answer that, I want to bring you to your attention to a, a parallel in the scriptures. In the opening chapters of the book of Exodus, we are told that the infant Moses was saved due to his parents' actions after Pharaoh decided he was going to kill all the male Hebrew children that had been after he had been forewarned that a newborn Hebrew child would be a threat to his kingdom. At a later time, when Moses grew up and was older, he had to flee Egypt because his life was threatened by the Pharaoh. And at the death of this Pharaoh, Moses was directed to return to Egypt, and he obeyed. Now, in a similar way, as we read this text, we see the baby Jesus' life being spared through the actions and the obedience of his parents as he flee towards Egypt after Herod, just like Pharaoh, decided to kill all male infants born near Bethlehem. When Magi from the east chose not to go back to Herod to disclose the location of the child. Later, we are told that at the death of Herod, Jesus was now to return to Judah, and through another dream was taken to a place called Nazareth. What I'm showing you is there the similarities between the narratives of Moses and Jesus is striking. And the takeaway for us here is that just as God delivered through Moses, the message for us is God will deliver through Jesus. Yes. Nothing new under the sun. God is bringing to us a definitive message that this baby is going to do for us something we could not do for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Moses in the Old Testament served as a model which allows us to understand that while he physically delivered the Hebrews, Jesus the Messiah, who is greater, offers us both physical and spiritual deliverance. But our decision to receive what Christ offers requires that we make a decision when we are confronted with the truth of who he is. And this choice is seen in the dynamic that's at play in the text that was read earlier. Brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. When it has been revealed to you that the Savior of the world, that Jesus is the Messiah, you are forced to make a choice. You can reject it or you can accept it. When you are confronted with the truth of who Jesus is, you can make the decision to either reject it 
or to accept it. And that causes us to go down two paths. Here's the first path. You see, if you remember the story well enough, when the Magi, who were pagan astrologers from the east, heard about the child, their response was to do what? To open their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You recall, they opened their gifts and they bowed down and they worshipped. But they also made another decision, which was not to go back to Herod to tell him where the child was. The Magi had found the mystery that they had been seeking and they chose not to go back to Herod. They expressed what I have chosen to call the Magian principle. Here is the Magian principle. It's a rejection of worldly pressure when you are confronted with the truth. Whenever you are confronted with the truth, you can succumb to worldly pressure or you can reject it. That's the Magian principle. By consciously rejecting Herod, they had made a decision by faith to accept the truth of the child, thereby becoming credible witnesses as they go and spread the gospel and the good news to the east from whence they came. But Herod's response was a little different when he was confronted with the truth. What do you say, Pastor? Well, Herod did what? He chose to kill. Not just the child, but all children because of what he had heard. In his own selfish desire to hold on to his own worldly power, he was blinded by the gift of the gospel, and he exercised what I've chosen to call now the Herodian principle. This is where you now have an acceptance of worldly pressure when you are confronted with the truth. So the Magian principle is to do what? It is to reject worldly pressure when you are confronted with the truth. But the Herodian principle is to what? Accept worldly pressure when confronted with the truth. What is common in both of these is that you are confronted with the truth and you make a decision to either go the way of the Magi or to go the way of Herod. But you cannot be neutral. You must choose a path. Now, 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 now listen. Herod's attempt to destroy the child is nothing different than what we see in the world today. Many of you understand this. Why? Because whenever someone is confronted with the truth, you see this principle at work every single time. What do they try to do? Either suppress it, they try to blame somebody for it, they try to cover it up, they try to do everything and go even as far as Herod to try to kill and bury the truth. You see it all around us, even in the media. People try to deflect the truth. When the truth comes and says, listen, we've got you on tape. We got the transcript. Well, rather than accept responsibility, what do you do? Well, listen, nothing's here to see. Let me deflect it. And even go so far as to kill the truth, leading to what? As we know, and again, I'm just bringing it into our world, Maybe suicide in prison. Brothers and sisters, what do you do when you are confronted with the truth? What do you do with it? This brings us to what I call the hiddenness of God. God has made himself identifiable 
But God is incomprehensible. We cannot understand God, even though he may be standing right in front of our faces. And this is why we preach the gospel. You see, the message of the gospel demands a decision, and we have to make that decision now. For tomorrow is promised to no one. But there is evil all around us. And while we may think that we are all surrounded by good people or that we may be good people ourselves, what I'm trying to explain to you, my brothers and my sisters, is simply that evil is really lurking at your doorstep, waiting for the moment to devour you if you give it but an inch. And the way that evil finds its way into your heart and into your homes and into your lives is whenever you are confronted with truth and you decide to go the way of Herod. Rejecting the truth will always open the door to the evil that's waiting to come in. So we see in this text, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to him, to the Father, but through him. But here it is, we have this truth, this baby, and it has to now be hidden and concealed. When the angel of the Lord gave Joseph the warning, it was to show us something called the grace of God. You see, the purposes of God can never, ever be thwarted or messed up. Neither the bondage in Egypt, the tragedy of the exile, the evil of slavery, nor the crucifixion of Jesus could interfere with God's plan. You see, you see, Jesus himself stated in Matthew the 11th chapter, I thank you, Father, he said, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes and sucklings. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When Joseph was given the dream to hide the Christ child, it wasn't that because God needed protection from man. It was that God wanted to only reveal the truth to those who were not perishing. I don't know if you understood what I just said. What has been hidden from the wise and the prudent will be revealed to babes and sucklings. Now, 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 now I said to myself, as I studied this, I said, but God, I don't really understand what that really means. How am I really to understand it? Well, Paul gives us an answer. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And listen carefully to the words of Paul. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Paul is saying, we're speaking a wisdom that is beyond ourselves, not wisdom that is eloquent with words. He says, no, 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 no. We declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. In other words, the hiding of the Christ child really is about God hiding his word for the right time for the revelation of that word. But, 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 but he says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, watch this, they would not have crucified the child. If everyone knew that this child was the savior 
of the world, they would not have crucified him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if he were not crucified, <laughs> if the baby was not concealed, if, if the vision of the Messiah was not obscured, if the mystery was unveiled, if the truth had been revealed, they would not have crucified the child. And if the child had not been crucified, then my brothers and my sisters, you would still be dead in your sins. If Jesus was not concealed as a baby, hidden for the right time for his work to be revealed, you and I would still be stuck in the place of despair with no hope whatsoever. This is what I mean by the hiddenness of God. It is God in his grace protecting you for the right time for your glory, his glory to be revealed. <laughs> I, 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 he, he, you know, he came as he said he would. Nothing happens by accident. So, so as we prepare to go into this new year, here is my challenge to you, church. I want you to think about this that you might be the hiddenness of God. You are sitting on gifts, abilities, something that is going to bring God a tremendous amount of glory. And all of the circumstances and the people in the world around you that are trying to destroy you and to take away the very things that you have been gifted by God to bring into this world. Listen, they didn't see you coming. You are the hiddenness of God. God has hidden you for the right time where his glory will be revealed in you. That's what I want you to understand. I know this is a hard word, but I need you to hear it in your spirits. The hiddenness of God is about you becoming everything that God knew that you would become. He died so that you could be exactly what you need to be. So listen carefully. As you get ready to go into 2020, the people on your job, are going to try to stop you. But you have been hidden by God. The people who you think have all this power over you will try to destroy you. But you have been hidden by God. All of the things that you think is out there designed to destroy you, it can't harm you. Why? Because through God's divine protection, no weapon that is ever formed against you will be able to prosper. Why? Because you have been hidden by God. When Jesus Christ covered you with his blood on Calvary's tree, believe me, he wasn't just dying so that you could walk around and say, I'm a Christian. You were being hidden under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty God. You are the hiddenness of God. They haven't seen you coming yet. So my brothers and my sisters, as we prepare to leave from this place, I want you to understand something about the grace of God. The grace of God is something that is freely given to anyone 
who is willing to receive it. But you can't choose to reject it. And if you choose to reject it, if you refuse the truth, then listen, and this is a hard saying, you are no different from Herod. So brothers and sisters, as we prepare to take on this new year, where are you? Are you hidden in God or are you hidden from God? Only one way leads to the hope in glory.